It is Thursday, December 16th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 15 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chop. With me, as always, is Jared Smolin. Jared, this is going to be a short one because everybody in the league has COVID and there are going to be no football games this week. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have, you know, 10 more guys placed on the COVID list while we're recording. So, I mean, I, we're going to do our best here, honestly. Um, but, you know, by, by Sunday morning, a lot of this stuff's probably going to be outdated so make sure you're checking shark bites make sure you're checking the rankings they'll stay updated make sure you're checking the 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 my team page i mean that's your best bet now especially with all this stuff going on i mean you'll have your updated projections for all your guys on that page as well as all the most recent news for all of your players yes we will be shark biting all of the pertinent offensive and defensive players who are knocked out by covid or injuries or whatever else this week we'll remove them from the rankings so if you see a guy's numbers suddenly zeroed out Probably landed on the COVID list because I'm having to try to keep up with all the guys because they don't even all get announced at this point. It's just coming out in such big numbers. But we're going to go through every single game as we usually do on the Thursday pod. We'll talk about who is playing, who might be playing, and who's not playing. And we're going to start with the Thursday night game, Kansas City at the Chargers. Chiefs by three points over under a 52 and a half. Austin Eckler is the one that we'll have to watch. It's He's supposed to play. It sounds like he's expected to play on the ankle that he hurt last week, barring a pregame setback. Now, the question is how much, like how close to the usual Austin Eckler are we going to get for this game? Yeah, Dr. Chow has been saying since this injury happened that it was, you know, a mild high ankle sprain. Um, You know, we have Eckler on the short week here. Uh, We've already had reports this morning that he's going to be limited to to, to some extent. As of now, I mean, I, I have trouble benching Austin Eckler. If we get another report, you know, from Schefter or Rapport that, you know, a more concrete report on exactly what his workload is going to be, maybe we reconsider. But I, I think Eckler is the type of guy where I think when he's on the field, he's still going to be getting the high value touches. He's going to be getting work in the passing game. He's you know, probably going to still be getting a lot of the, the red zone work. Um, so, you know, he's, he's definitely lower in our rankings than he would be at 100 percent. But um, again, I'd have to be loaded with, you know, two other rock solid options to consider benching Eckler at this point. Yeah, as of right now, we'll we'll certainly be watching tonight to see if we get any further updates. Like I saw um, Lord Reeves mentioned on Twitter, the Keenan Allen game from last year where he was active for I think it was a Thursday night game. And he barely played. He saw like three targets and crushed everybody that put him in their lineup. So you know, anybody who's deciding whether to play Eckler is going to worry about something like that happening. And honestly, none of us will know he could get into the game and hurt that ankle in the first quarter and be done for the night. So it's definitely a a comfort level thing at some point, barring some further word of his specific role, his specific limitation though, I would much rather be kicking myself tomorrow for playing Mm -hmm. Eckler and watching him tweak that ankle further than for not playing Eckler and having him produce Dalvin Cook's game from last week. Yeah, you know, I was I was listening to uh, Adam Krautwurst and Mike Shope on their Deep End podcast earlier this week, and, and I think it was Adam made a good point, too, about now with all these COVID issues. Like, the guys playing on Thursday night, if, if you have a guy playing, like, there's some value in just having a guy you know is going to be out there. Because you might, but you could bench Eckler tonight for, you know, say whoever, um, Javante Williams, and, and he lands on the COVID list and doesn't play Sunday. So there's some value just in – getting a guy who's who you know is playing at this point that is a good point another point that adam actually made is that this is an important division game i mean 
the Chargers yeah. need this game. So you can bet that as much as Ockler, Ockler, as much as Eckler is able to do, they're going to have him do in this game. So again, yep. we're all guessing to some degree, but I would rather guess on Eckler tonight than against him, barring further word. Yep, agreed. Uh, on defense, by the way, Derwin James, hamstring injury, a uh, true game time decision, it sounds like there. And I, he's a player that I would lean toward not playing because of that hamstring, because I think there's a greater risk that he hurts that in game and leaves you without a key contributor. And of course, it's a lot easier to find a replacement defensive back than it is to find a replacement running back. Keenan Allen will not need replacing this time. He's back from the COVID list. That should push Josh Palmer back to more of a reserve role, but it probably doesn't change Jalen Guyton's role at all. He played 53 to 59% of the snaps in each of the past four games, has seen three, four, and three targets over the past three weeks. Yeah, I think Guyton's back to being just like a, a DFS play, you know, showdown play tonight with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams in. Um, no Rashawn Slater for the Chargers. That's a big loss. Their stud rookie left tackle. No Chris Jones for the Chiefs, though. You know, their stud interior D lineman. So, you know, maybe kind of a wash there. I, I do think with Eckler's situation, we're going to see the Chargers probably lean even more heavily towards the pass. So, you know, obviously you're starting, you're starting Herbert. The Chiefs D has been good lately, but I'm still going to bet on Justin Herbert. You're starting Keenan Allen. You know, Mike Williams – Wide receiver three, boom, bust, you know, as we've been saying really for the past couple months now. He had a big game in week three against Kansas City, but that's when you know, he was having big games every week. Um, you know, he's sort of gone back to, again, boom, bust, wide receiver three status uh, for the past couple months now. Yeah, Chiefs will be down Legereus Sneed, a starting outside corner for them again. So uh, that can only help Mike Williams. And they have gone shorter with Mike Williams's average target depth lately, which they were doing early in the season when he was putting up those big games. So there's room for him to have a good one here. But, you know, again, the way that we've been seeing Mike Williams go for a while now, you can't count on a big game. So, you, you know, factor that in, make the decision between Mike Williams and who else you're deciding between. He's certainly well within starter range in our rankings yep. overall. So it's really a decision between two solid options of whether you play Mike Williams. Yep. It's a solid matchup for Jared Cook if you're needy at tight end, but he hasn't topped three catches or 29 yards since week nine. Just three targets in the first meeting with the Chiefs. I was surprised to see Cook. He's 11th in expected fantasy points among tight ends over the past five weeks. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of his targets are coming in high value areas, you know, inside the red zone, inside the end zone. Um, so he, he's, he's still in play. And I think, you know, it's going to be a higher scoring game tonight. I think you're going to have a lot of volume on the, the Chargers in the Chargers passing game. So I think Cook's a, a decent play. It's also a matter of tight end being garbage, though. I mean, yes. you think about 11th at tight end, just looking over a span of several weeks, you cannot guess who's going to be tight end 11 every week. So the fact that Jared Cook stays involved and plays with a good quarterback and can get downfield certainly helps him among that yep. group. Exactly. On the other side, Clyde Edwards Elair had a season high 17 carries, had 100 yards on the ground in the first meeting, receiving touchdown in that game as well against the Chargers. Solid starter here for most teams. I mean, most folks probably don't have a decision to make on yeah. CEH, but I think he falls short of being like a must start this week if you are loaded in the backfield. He had just 10 carries in last week's game. You know, I know that the blowout conditions kind of skewed things, but had just seven of the team's 12 non-QB rushes in the first half of that game as well. Yeah, CEH is out carrying Darrell Williams three to one um, over the past three weeks now. And as you mentioned, he had that nice game against the Chargers back in week three. As as pretty much every team has done against the Chargers this season, the Chiefs leaned more on their run in that matchup. They were 56% pass in neutral situations. They're at 62% situation neutral pass 
for the season. It was one of their run heavier games of the year. I'm expecting a similar game plan tonight. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm still worried about this Chiefs passing game. We kind of thought they'd have a nice game against the Raiders last week. Um, but Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, quarterback 16 or worse in five straight non Raiders games. Um, you know, so I'm not, I'm not saying bench Patrick Mahomes. He can, you know, still get it done, uh, especially with, with Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey healthy. But yeah. I, I, I do think they're going to lean on the run game a bit more than usual tonight. Imagine looking back at the end of the season and realizing that you lost your league's championship because you kept going with Patrick Mahomes over Taysom Hill. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the level I, you know, I would, consider at least and we have Mahomes ranked ahead of Hill I'd probably end up going Mahomes but I, I you know I think it's it's, it's fair to, to, to debate those two yeah I mean I, I don't think that I could sit Patrick Mahomes for somebody like that in my own lineup but I it's I, I can't if somebody says I'm playing Taysom Hill over Patrick Mahomes this week I don't care I'm not gonna be like no you're yeah. making a mistake it, it makes sense at this point based on what we've seen for a while now yep anything else in that game no, I mean, I think it's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I wouldn't be messing with other anyone else in the Chiefs passing game. Yeah, I agree with that. So we'll move on to Las Vegas at Cleveland Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. So make sure that you get your lineup set before these games. The first day this year, the, week, the first week this year, we've had Saturday games. Raiders by one and a half in this one. It opened as Browns by five, but that was before COVID defeated the Browns this week. Over under 39, it's down five from where it opened. So not a lot of points expected from this game. And like I said, lots of Browns out with COVID is the key story here. Baker Mayfield's right now on the list. Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, left tackle Jedrick Wills, right guard Wyatt Teller, safety John Johnson, slot corner Troy Hill, even head coach Kevin Stefanski is on the list right now, even though he's double vaxxed and boosted so far. So we'll see. If any among these guys has a shot to make it back for the game, we have to assume that none of them will be available as of right now. And Kareem Hunt is also not available for this game, most likely because he's got an ankle injury. Yeah, high ankle sprain is what we're hearing on Hunt. So I would expect him to miss multiple games and you know, definitely not play on Saturday. Um, it, it, I would expect a run heavy game plan from Cleveland here. It's probably going to be Case Keenum under center throwing to Donovan Peoples-Jones and Richard Higgins. And you know, we'll see what they have available. Anthony end, Schwartz, um, so, don't leave him yeah. out. Anthony Schwartz is in concussion protocol. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's it's uh, thin. You're starting Nick Chubb. I mean, the efficiency might take a hit with you know the, the O-line injuries or the O-line COVID situations that you mentioned. But I you know I think he's probably going to get 20 carries and might even be, be more involved in the passing game than usual. But if if Landry's out, Dearness Johnson, I think is even like a, a if you're hurting and need like an RB three or a flex, um, you know, he might end up getting. 10 or so touches in this game, just with you know, the lack of other options. David and Joku was on the COVID list before it was cool to be a Brown on the COVID list, but he's not <laughs> off it yet. So we'll see whether he's going to be back for this game, which is probably not going to have Austin Hooper. If he is, I think he certainly becomes an option against the Raiders, but you know, again, it's something to watch. So we'll see. Yeah. Harrison Bryant has been back to limited practices this week too. So it's possible that if Joku doesn't come off the COVID list and Harrison Bryant is able to play in this game, that, you know, he's a, a fringe tight end one option. Oh my God. Imagine a Harrison Bryant, like 561 receiving line in week 15 of the fantasy season. I mean, that's, that's how it's going to be down the stretch here. That's oh, so gross. On the Raiders side, matchup is better for Derek Carr for the COVID-19 issues. Hunter Renfro has certainly got a good matchup and is a must play at this point. Still no Darren Waller at practice Tuesday or Wednesday, though. I'm, I'm not sure I can get to Derek Carr this week, even with yeah. all these conditions around him. Yeah, I'm out on Carr if there's no Waller, and it sure seems like there's going to be no Waller this week. Uh, Carr's finished quarterback 22 in actually both of the last two weeks 
without Darren Waller. Um, for, for me on the Raiders side, it's just Hunter Renfro, who is like a, a PPR wide receiver one at this point and a, a pretty easy starter and even non PPR. And then Josh Jacobs, who has been getting awesome volume, 13.3 carries and 6.5 targets over his last four games. Now the Raiders are going to get Jalen Rashard back. He might steal you know, a few targets, um, but I still think, you know, Jacobs is going to get the volume, you know, to be a, a high floor fantasy play. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, Hunter Renfro, if we keep calling every white college receiver, Wes Welker, that the fantasy gods are bound to bless us with one of them, right? We're going to start calling white college receivers Hunter Renfro. <laughs> That's right. It's a new day. New England at Indianapolis is the other since the other Saturday game, 820 p.m. Eastern. That one Colts by two and a half here. It opened as Pats by two and a half, which is interesting over under 45 and a half. On the New England side, we haven't seen them in a couple weeks since the Wind Bowl in Buffalo. Damian Harris left that game limping with a hamstring injury, limited to open this week's practice schedule. So we'll see on Damian Harris. Of course, it's the Patriots, though, so we're probably going to see him limited all week. We're probably going to get absolutely no details, and then he's probably going to be questionable heading into Sunday. Saturday night, at least, right? At least it's yeah, an fair. earlier game, so so we'll know. Um, that'll be helpful. Uh, he's obviously going to carry more risk if, he, you know, if he's going to play through the hamstring. Um, but if he, if he is out there, I do think he he's in play and he, he was running ahead of Ramondre Stevenson uh, before hurting that hamstring in that bills game. Yeah. We'll try to watch for reports on his health heading into the game. If we don't know anything and he is questionable, I think I'd have to lean towards Stevenson over Harris for that game. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I, d- I think they're close enough um, where, you know, even if Harris is healthy, the carries are going to be pretty close and, and Stevenson obviously um, is less risky without the hamstring by game time. It will have been about three weeks since basically we saw new England throw a pass last. (laughs) Um, So it's easy to forget that Kendrick Bourne has been crazy efficient basically all year, really sitting on a 79.2% catch rate, 11.9% touchdown rate, which is high, but not, you know, astronomical. No wideout has reached 40 receiving yards on the Colts. However, since week nine, and the big games against them have come from outside receivers. Cooper Cup, the only slot that has had a big one against the Colts all year. I like overall, I like Kendrick Bourne over Jacoby Myers this week, but I'm certainly not excited about any Patriots wide out, even though they're probably going to be able to throw the ball some again. Yeah, uh, yeah, they'll be indoors here, which will be nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm off the Patriots wide receivers if I can help it. Hunter Henry's the guy, you know, relatively, I think I'm most interested in, in this past game is just because of the matchup, you know, the Colts are pretty tough against wide receivers. They are 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends, 25th in football outsiders, tight end coverage rankings. You're, you're still probably needing a touchdown out of Hunter Henry uh, to really pay off. But I do think it's a pretty good spot for him. Yeah, there's, I just don't think there's such a thing as a good spot for Hunter Henry anymore. You still have to target a tight end to actually have him catch passes. And uh, unless you're like Patrick Mahomes and you're just pinballing all of your passes off of another player to somebody else on your team. Right. Right. On the Colts side, I mean, not a great matchup for anybody. Obviously there's no point in talking about Jonathan Taylor, but uh, otherwise this is not a matchup where I'm going to be reaching for value at another position. No, I mean, I think the only other guy you're considering is Michael Pittman. Um, He's in like wide receiver three range in our rankings this week. Uh, The Colts or sorry, the Patriots third in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers and football outsider says that number two, number two in coverage against teams, number one wide receivers. Um, you know, I, I still think Pittman's going to have volume. You know, even could be a game where the Colts volume is up if they're playing from behind, um, but, but t- tough matchup for him. So again, I think he's a wide receiver three this week. Yeah. I think this is going to be a low scoring grinded out kind of game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Pittman struggles to even reach wide receiver three territory. So, you know, again, I, I'm not, 
forgetting about him completely, but don't be surprised if anybody in this game disappoints versus your expectations. Agreed. Washington at Philadelphia Eagles by seven, which is up from two and a half at the open uh, over under 44. And on the Washington side, Taylor Heineke came away from last week with the right elbow question, but he was a full practice participant Wednesday. So it looks like he should be good to go, which is good news because his backup Kyle Allen is one of 73 Washington players on the COVID list this week. Yeah, and then you have Terry McLaurin, who's in the concussion protocol, did not practice on Wednesday, so he's trending toward missing this game. His replacement last week was Cam Sims. He's one of the guys on the COVID list. So, I mean, I don't know. It's going to be Adam Humphreys and, you know, maybe De'Ami Brown um, gets on the field a bit. It's, you know, it's going to be ugly in this passing game, I think. It's really no no one I want a part of. I mean, I we've been talking about the tight ends this morning. More opportunity for them, I think, especially if McLaurin's out. The matchup's good against Philly, but um, it, it was a committee last week. You know, John Bates actually ran more pass routes than Ricky Seals Jones. RSJ had the four targets to John Bates, two targets. Um, so that, you know, that makes it tough for me to, to invest in RSJ until we see him back into a full time role. Yeah, I'm not going crazy over any Washington tight end, but it, that was his first week back from the hip injury. He was limited in practice all last week leading up to it. Uh, this week off the injury report as of Wednesday. So it looks like the hip is not a question anymore. I'm going to go ahead and take a shot on Ricky Seals Jones if I'm looking in tight end two territory, you know, like tight end 14, 15 range. I think he has more upside than like Pat Fryermuth this week, Gerald Everett. Um, I forget exactly who else is in that range with them in our rankings, but I, you know, I, I'm willing, barring some, you know, word on what to expect from these guys. I'm willing to bet that we have, you know, seven plus targets from Ricky Seals Jones mm-hmm. in this matchup that has been second friendliest to tight end scoring by our adjusted fantasy points so far. Yeah, it's it's possible you get to that type of volume. Um, again, I'd, I'd I'd rather not bet on it. But again, I mean, you you say in the tight end two territory, it does get ugly down there. And I I do agree, Seals Jones has the upside to be you know one of the better volume bets. You know, once you get outside the top ten or so at the position. JD McKissick, we haven't talked about yet, but uh, you know, also a part of the passing game when he's around, he's still not out of the concussion protocol, so no lock that he's ready to play this week. Yeah, so he was limited last Thursday and Friday, and then did not practice yesterday on, on on Wednesday. So that it looks like he suffered a setback in the protocol. So that makes me think he's not going to play on Sunday, which would be good news for Antonio Gibson, who, you know, he Gibson was, was, was basically benched last week after a uh, fumble late in the third quarter. Gibson has six fumbles now this season. He's lost four of them. Washington's going to go back to him to start this game. And again, there's, there's big volume upside, um, especially if McKissick's out that, you know, the risk is he fumbles again and they, they send him to the bench, but I'm not, Super worried about that. So I would, I'd feel pretty good um, going back to, to Gibson this week. The whole trend of benching running backs after fumbles is so stupid. I mean, what, what is it going to accomplish by taking your clearly your better running back off the field just because he fumbled? I, I mean, the worst fumblers might do it twice in a game, usually right. not more than once. So to me, all you're doing is taking away from your team. And I mean, if he needs to fix a fumbling issue, work with him in the practice week. It shouldn't get to that point without him changing how he's carrying the ball. Tiki Barber figured it out, right? He's a guy I always think of fumbling issues and then he, he put those behind him high and tight, baby. So we talked about the COVID issues for Washington. It's mostly affecting the defense. Montez Sweat is still on the COVID list, missed last week's game with that. There are other defensive linemen that missed last week as well with him. Jonathan Allen went on the list this week. Matt Ioannidis on the list this week. Their top corner, Kendall Fuller, is on the COVID list right now. We'll see who among those guys makes it back. You know, it's the greatest impacts for IDP lineups, but all those guys missing would affect the matchup for the Philly side as well. It certainly makes it a better spot 
against a defense that has gotten better, but is still beatable even with anybody in there. Certainly more beatable any starters that are missing. For the Eagles, though, we're going to have to wait and see who the quarterback's going to be because we just found out yesterday that Jalen Hurts is dealing with a high ankle sprain. Yeah, exactly. That was the first time you know, anyone had said the word high um, when talking about Hurts' injury. Um, and he, you know, there was video of him still limping, you know, into the practice facility. So, and then even, you know, Nick Sirianni said, you know, he, he's still not sure if Hurts is going to be ready for this game. And the fact that Gardner Minshew played, played well, I mean, I know it was the Jets, um, but he, he played well enough where I think Philly's going to feel comfortable sitting Hurts um, if he's not in 100%. And then even if Hurts plays, we have to, you know, wonder what his rushing ability is on that ankle, at least, you know, the good news for Hertz, if he plays or Minshew is, you know, it's a good passing matchup against this Washington defense, even before you factor in all the COVID absences. Yeah. Um, I agree that the Minshew's performance against the Jets certainly makes it easier to play him. If it's close on Jalen Hurts. And frankly, the Eagles are probably better off playing Gardner Minshew than Jalen Hurts. If he's significantly limited yeah. mobility wise with that ankle. I mean, he played through it at the end of the giants game. I believe he heard it in the third quarter of that one. Didn't run again after that one. And obviously had the worst game of his, of the season. So, you know, we'll see where they go. I think Gardner Minshew would certainly be a popular DFS play. If he winds up starting this game, whether to play him in redraft, I mean, that's one of those, like, you got to decide for yourself because we could get the same game that we got against the Jets or we yeah. could get a total dud. That's why he's not a starting quarterback for anybody in the league right now. Yeah, someone asked me yesterday where, you know, I'd rank Minshew if, if Hertz is out. And I, I said he'd be like quarterback 17, quarterback 18 range. So I think you could probably do better in one quarterback league. So I might think, you know, he'd be in play in, in Superflex and, and DFS. Yeah, like I... I would play him over Derek Carr. I would not play him over Jimmy Garoppolo or Tua Tungavailoa. Yeah, well, Tua is a question now. We'll get to him without without Jalen Waddle. But um, yeah, I would I would play Minshew over Derek Carr. Elsewhere among Eagles, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard kind of reside in their in their usual territory. We wondered yeah. whether having Gardner Minshew in there over Jalen Hurts might help Goddard. It certainly looked like it did <laughs> against the Jets. It was also one of the most favorable matchups in the league. So nice spot for Dallas Goddard. I think he remains in starting lineups this week, even though Washington has been tougher on the position lately. Devontae Smith, you know, was already risky. Now he adds further risk in that his playing time was down last week. And afterward, Nick Sirianni said it was because they played more one wide receiver form, uh, sets that Jalen Rager gave them more of what they were looking for in those sets and that those sets worked well against the Jets. So he's like, I'm not apologizing for playing Devontae Smith less. He actually backed it up just like Matt Rule with the two quarterbacks. So I, I'm, I'm worried about Devontae Smith if I'm deciding whether to use him. What was his route rate like in that game? I don't have that in front of me. I'm just I'm wondering if you know he was off the field in 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 running situations. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not super concerned about that. I mean, I do still think Smith's like a wide receiver three, just because you don't uh, project big passing volume from this Eagles team. Um, Quez Watkins is on the COVID list as well, though. You know, so that that takes away you know a, a handful of targets per game. <laughs> That's small hands for Quez Watkins' targets <laughs> to be a handful. You seeing more than Jalen Ray. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I think Devontae Smith is a wide receiver three when all is well. So it just adding any further bit of risk to him makes him a wide receiver four for me. I'd, I'd feel better about somebody like Cole Beasley, Russell Gage, maybe even Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, that's, that's fair if we're talking PPR. 
the backfield, we're going to have to watch statuses of these guys because Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, both limited in Wednesday's practice. Jordan Howard has not played since suffering his knee sprain in week 11. He was running at least even with Miles Sanders in that game before leaving it with the knee injury. And then Sanders, of course, is coming off his biggest game of the season, but still got the ankle that we have to worry about. And he basically had ideal conditions for producing in that game no Jordan Howard Boston Scott was active but didn't play because of his illness Jalen Hurts was out so there wasn't the rushing quarterback and even then the rushing touchdown went to Kenneth Gainwell yeah yeah you're not gonna get that from Sanders again this week um you know we 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 don't we don't have a game all season where Sanders Howard and Scott were all healthy for an entire game Uh, the closest was that week 11 game against the Saints when Howard got hurt and before Howard left that game he was leading the way with, with 10 carries to eight for Miles Sanders, three for Boston Scott. Uh, Howard had zero targets. Sanders had one target. Boston Scott had, had two targets. Um, so, I mean, I, I I think if all three of these guys are healthy, that all three of them are going to be involved. And that you know, kind of makes it tough to like any of them. No, we actually have a fair number of games with all of them healthy. It's just that that was back when Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell were the only running backs seeing any action. So we have no, we have no idea. No, none of us has any idea how Philly's going to sort out this backfield, and it's frustrating. It's frustrating because it's a favorable situation where if we knew who was getting the ball, they could be a significant option for us this week. Yep. Dallas at the Giants. Cowboys by 10.5, over under 44.5 for this one. <sighs> Dak Prescott struggles are honestly annoying me quite a bit. And this week mm-hmm. brings kind of a tricky matchup. So like three weeks ago, the giants were trending well in past defense. Um, then they delivered their best performance of the season by football outsiders DVOA against the Eagles. Since then they've delivered two of their worst against the dolphins and the chargers. So, I mean, I still can't ultimately get excited about Dak with the way he's playing right now, but the upside is obvious. And he had a big game against the giants last time this season. Yeah, and the one thing about the Giants' defense, too, they are fifth in situation neutral pass rate again. So teams lean towards the pass against them, which you know, honestly doesn't make a whole lot of sense because they are much tougher against the pass than the run. Um, you know, that's something you can kind of lean your lean your hat on with Dak. He's, you know, he's definitely he, – he hasn't played as well since the calf injury as before the calf injury. I'm not sure if that's the case or what. It's been a lot of other issues in Dallas, you know, between online injuries and, and wide receiver issues and running back issues. Um but you know, at least the wide receivers are healthy now. It's 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 not a matchup I'm afraid of in the Giants. And you know, yeah, Tony Pollard's still banged up. Zeke still doesn't look right. Um, so I, I do think Dallas should lean on the pass in this matchup. Giants are also without Leonard Williams up front, so we'll see whether that affects the the plan at all. It at least helps the matchup for you know both Dak and Zeke by taking away somebody who's good in run D and a key member of the pass rush. I think it's easier to play Zeke this week than last week because the Giants are just 27th in run defense DVOA, even with Leonard Williams on the field. And like you mentioned, Tony Pollard was still not practicing Wednesday, so we don't know whether he's going to be available. Yeah, of course, even with Pollard out last week, the the Cowboys didn't want to give Zeke too much. They use Corey Clement quite a bit. You know, Zeke finished with 12 carries and six targets. Um so it, it seems to me they don't want to overwork him at this point until that knee gets back to 100%. We'll, we'll see about Pollard. It sounds sound like the Cowboys were optimistic he'd be able to play earlier in the week. But like you said, no practice on Wednesday doesn't bode well. Pass catchers, you know, all this other stuff aside, they all look good at their appropriate levels. Big game, as I mentioned, yeah. for everybody pretty much in the first meeting with the Giants this year. 302 and three touchdowns for Dak. Zeke ran for 110 back in the glory days, scored twice in that game. Tony mm-hmm. Pollard had 103 total yards. C.D. Lamb and Mari Cooper each scored. Of course, Michael Gallup was out for that game. Six for 79 for Dalton Schultz. 
I mean, and if you look back to last year, that was the game where Dak got hurt uh, in what was it early in the second half or late in the first, they were on their way to a big game in that one as well. So I really hope that we get a Cowboys get right offensive game in this one. There are certainly reasons to be concerned about the guys involved. I, my biggest decision I think is going to be Dak versus uh, Taysom Hill. I, I honestly, I'm not sure which way I will ultimately go there. I think I'll probably have to lean toward Dak though. Yeah, it'd probably be Mylene too. Um, it's just easier to, to feel good about Dak at this point for me. We'll get to Taysom Hill and I'm a little worried about him in that matchup, but a couple notes on the Cowboys pass catchers. Amari Cooper was back to a full role last week after being limited in his first game off the COVID list last time out. So he's, you know, safe to use as we normally would. He, you know, he's been boom bust this season. Um, he's actually struggled against the Giants for the most part, did score against them back in week five this year, but he only had three catches in that game. Um, and then Dal- Dalton Schultz, you know, just three targets last week with the wide receivers healthy, uh, but he still ran a pass route on 90% of Dak Prescott's dropbacks. If, you know, he, if he's out there that much in passing situations, I do think, you know, he still is a low end tight end one. Yeah. Low end that the decision for me is going to be between him and Tyler Higby. And I think we'll get to that yeah. a little bit later. I think I'm leaning toward the Ram this week though. I'm, I, I, I can't talk about Tyler Higby the rest of the season. So you're well, going to have there. to, that game's coming up later <laughs> in the show. Uh, so on the giant side, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to talk about the, even things aren't going well for Saquon Barkley right now. And he's dealing with the ankle still. Yeah. Saquon is like a floor running back to play. If you look at his finishes since coming back from the ankle injury, RB 23, RB 31, RB 21, RB 11. Um, he's 21st among, among running backs and expected points per game or if that's fans. So he's, he's just an RB two at this point. And I mean, Devonte Booker looked better than him in last week's game, even. So it's tough to get excited about anything. And the passing game has Mike Glennon likely still leading it. So it's barely worth talking to anybody on that side either. Yep, agreed. All right, well, let's move on to the Jets and the Dolphins. Dolphins were 10-point favorites here. I'm not sure where it's going to land now because mm-hmm. about a half hour before we started, we found out that Jalen Waddle is on the COVID list. So, I mean, what's that do to things now? I think it makes Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki really strong plays this week. We knew the matchup was good. Um, Waddle averaging 9.2 targets over Miami's last five games now. Um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be Albert Wilson probably is the number two wide receiver. It's going to be like Mac Hollins possibly is the, is the number three guy. Um, but I, I think it's, I think, you know, Parker and Gasecki are going to soak up most of the targets here. So I, I feel good about both of them and really wouldn't mess with anything else in this passing game. Well, I would still play Tua. He gets the matchup boost here, even without Jalen Waddle. He's completed 80% of the passes over over 80% of his passes over the past three games. That stretch began with 273 and two touchdowns in the first meeting with the Jets. Uh, I know that Jalen Waddle is a big loss. He also spent much of that, you know, kind of Jalen Waddle breakout streak without Devontae Parker. So it's definitely not a direct replacement in terms of their roles on the field, but I think talent wise, it's similar and there's enough there among the guys that you mentioned to make it a positive spot for Tua in what's still a terrific matchup. Yeah, matchup's still good. Um, he at least has two quality pass catchers in Parker and Gasicki. I but I like I prefer Jimmy Garoppolo now as a as a week 15 spot starter. I'd start Justin Fields over Tua. I, I would start Russell Wilson over Tua this week too now. Not me. I would play Tua over Russell Wilson, who's just been you've, okay and gets a you much become more a Russ, at the you become a Russ hater, man. He, he's, he's really been fine the past couple of weeks now. Yeah, I'm not looking for fine, baby. Fine doesn't win fantasy championships. Oh, you're talking about you're talking about Tua Tagovailoa too. I mean, 
He's been better than fine over the same stretch where Russell Wilson's been fine. 80% completion rate. Plus he's got the jets. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm betting Tua here, but you know, it's certainly in the range where a touchdown either way can determine things. Yeah. Tua has been good. His last three fantasy finishes though, quarterback, 13 quarterback, 20 quarterback, 13. The first one of those was against the jets. He finished quarterback 13. So it's not like he's been a you know high ceiling play. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think we're talking about a whole lot of ceiling with either of these guys. It's also worth noting that the Miami backfield has been ravaged by COVID. So Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed, Philip Lindsay, all currently on the COVID list. We'll see if any of those guys can make it back for the game. Malcolm Brown, Patrick Laird are still on IR. Brown practiced Wednesday, so he has a shot to play this week. Um, hasn't played since week seven because of a quad injury. So I have no idea what Malcolm Brown would contribute if he's back. Duke Johnson. It might be the lead back for this game in in what has been one of the best matchups for running back scoring in the entire league. Yeah, and then they have Jared Dokes, who too I think he was a sixth round pick this past spring. Um, so I don't know. I I don't have much to say here. We're gonna have to wait to see who's available on Sunday. The matchup is good. Miami's running game's also been horrible all season, so I'm not super excited. Um, but yeah, I mean whoever we whoever is in line to get lead work, I, you know, I think will be in play as like an RB three. Yeah, I'm definitely not getting excited about anybody here, but Duke Johnson and DFS could be fun. Don't te- don't tempt me. <laughs> you know you're going to if he's the guy. Uh, there is Jared Dokes. There's also Dexter Williams on the practice squad, so we'll see who gets elevated from there. And, you know, as I said, we'll see who is actually available for this game. Lots of questions still to be answered in the Miami backfield. All the more reason to lean on Tua and that better-than-Russell Wilson passing game, though. On the Jets' <laughs> side, Zach Wilson followed an encouraging outing against the Eagles by going back to being terrible against the Saints. This is going to be his first meeting with the Dolphins, who have been playing well on defense. I'm going to bet on absolutely nothing on the Jets' side of this one. Yeah, me too. They are going to get Michael Carter back from his high ankle sprain. Um, I, I always think betting against guys in their first game off a of high ankle sprains and one as serious as Michael Carter's that you know cost him uh, four weeks is kind of the way to go. Carter, you know, was was playing well, was seeing good volume before going down. A lot of the, if you look at the targets though, a lot of that came with Mike White, who you know was targeting his running backs like crazy. That hasn't been the case with Zach Wilson. So I don't think you're going to, you know, be getting the eight, nine, ten target games out of Carter, but um, you know probably 12 to 15 carries and, and a couple targets um, I, w- I would expect from him on Sunday. Yeah. If you're like, Oh man, do I start Matt Breida, Amir Abdullah or Michael Carter this week? Mm-hmm. In that case, I would go Michael Carter, but that's the range where I'd consider him Yep. to a different game. Now that doesn't include so many jets and that's Arizona at Detroit Cardinals by 13 over under a 47 and a half. Deandre Hopkins is the first story here though, because he's done for the regular season, maybe a return in the playoffs, but even that doesn't sound like it's definite. So I think the name makes it sound like a bigger impact than we'll probably see. Um, DeAndre Hopkins has only averaged 6.4 targets per game this year. And even if you take out the Green Bay game where he barely played, still averaged just 6.9 targets per game on the year. Antoine Wesley claimed 2.7 targets per game over those four games where he basically replaced DeAndre Hopkins. And otherwise, these are the averages that we're looking at for the season. AJ Green is averaging five and a half a game. Christian Kirk, 5.4. Zach Ertz, 5.4 since arriving after the trade. Rondale Moore, 4.7. Chase Edmonds, 4.6. So I think rather than significantly boosting anybody, we're just going to see those extra 4.2 targets sprinkled around among a pass offense that just you know gives the ball to everybody. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not considering you know Christian Kirk or AJ Green, you know, top 20 guys the rest of the way, but I, I do think they're going to be easier to rely on 
going forward, you know, the rest of the way with the added volume. And you mentioned Anton Wesley too. That that's that's a, an important point because the last two games that Hopkins missed, and the first one he missed, there was no AJ Green. But the the last two, everyone was healthy, and the Cardinals used Antoine Wesley basically in DeAndre Hopkins' spot on the outside. AJ Green stayed on the outside, and Christian Kirk moved into the slot. Rondell Moore, his playing time climbed a bit, but it didn't climb significantly. So I, I've seen a lot of people excited about Rondell Moore um, with this Hopkins injury, and, and you know maybe Arizona's plan will be different now. Uh, you know maybe it'll be Kirk on the outside and Moore in the slot. We'll see. Uh, but as as you know, for this week until I see it, I'm I'm not going to trust Rondell Moore in fantasy lineups. Um, for me, it's just Christian Kirk and AJ Green to me are, are both like upside wide receiver threes um, with Hopkins out and in this matchup against the lions. Yeah. I think that they, where they really win is ceiling because Deandre Hopkins had not been seeing the target volume, but has caught eight touchdowns. So, you know, those could be redistributed rather than just seeing Kyler Murray's touchdown rate come way down. So I, I wouldn't yeah. significantly adjust. I do think the ceiling looks better on AJ Green and Christian Kirk. I do think that they're both in play this week. I would lean toward Kirk first for this specific matchup against the Lions. Um, we're looking at a defense that's actually been surprisingly tough in terms of limiting fantasy points to wide receivers, but it's not because Detroit is actually good on pass defense. They're 30th in pass defense DVOA. So the, it's it's not that they're covering people well. It's that they're so easy to run on and they're always <laughs> playing from behind. So you just run the ball against them. I think that leaves passing volume a potential issue this week. But in terms of individual matchups, Detroit is tougher on the outside at corner a little bit than they are in the slot where they're down to at least their third guy. I believe they moved safety Will Harris there after their last slot corner landed on IR. Yeah, and, and Christian Kirk's had a good season. And I know a lot some of that, or actually a lot of that has come on the outside, I do still think Christian Kirk is, is best in the slot. So I, I, I think he's the biggest winner here, assuming, again, assuming Arizona sticks with Green and Wesley on the outside and Kirk in the slot. Um, so he, he's kind of my favorite um, Cardinals wide receiver the rest of the way with, with A.J. Green just behind him. Um, it's a good spot, too, for James Conner and Chase Edmonds, assuming Edmonds is back. It seemed like he was close last week, so I think we should probably assume that he's going to play in this game, but we'll see. Yeah, I would assume he's going to play. Um, we'll have to see about James Conner, who hurt his ankle at, in the second-to-last play of that Rams, Rams game on Monday night. He underwent an MRI. We haven't really heard the results of that yet, but um, Cliff Kingsbury called Conner day-to-day. So that you know suggests not a serious injury, but also he's you know not a lock to play in this game. Um, man, if Conner's out, Edmonds would become interesting. Like, I don't know how much Arizona would want to give him in his first game back, but you know, even 15 touches against the Lions, I think, would make him a, a pretty nice fantasy play. Yeah, I and mean, we'll see how that would affect the offense because they could easily lean pass in that case as well. Maybe run Kyler Murray a little bit more. We saw his rushing volume pick up in his first game back yeah. from the injury. So, you know, lots of directions they can go. I think the key here is that you just like anything Arizona in this game relative to yeah. uh, where even relative to where you would normally. Yeah, Kyler has his two biggest rushing totals of the season over the last two weeks, 59 and then 61 rushing yards. So that, that's helpful, especially, you know, losing DeAndre Hopkins. That, that hurts, obviously, but the fact that the rushing volume and production is back up uh, helps. Mentioned that the Lions are not as good in pass defense as it might seem by the adjusted fantasy points allowed. Arizona, on the other hand, is good in pass defense. Fourth in pass defense DVOA on the year. Not a week that I would reach too hard for Amon Ross St. Brown, but he's got 12 targets in two straight games, and they're probably going to be trailing in this one. So, I mean, should be a favorable spot for his target volume. 
And as we talked about on last week's pod too, um, St. Brown's a full-time player now. He's playing on the outside in two wide receiver sets and then moving into the slot when they go three wide. So that makes him easier to trust too. Um, not exciting playing any piece of this Lions passing game, but I, I do think St. Brown's a pretty solid target bat, especially with TJ Hawkinson looking unlikely to play in this game again. You know, He, he did not practice on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I think I would chase um, AJ Green's and Christian Kirk's upside over St. Yeah. Brown, but I, I would play St. Brown over guys like Devontae Smith and Cole Beasley in PPR. Yeah, I, de- I definitely like the Cardinals wide receivers over St. Brown. Mm-hmm. TJ Hawkinson, I hope he doesn't play this week because I don't want to have to decide, like, I don't want to have to make a decision on him in a matchup that's been negative for tight end scoring anyway. Agreed. Yeah, again, I don't think he's going to play. Um, hasn't practiced since last Wednesday. Tennessee at Pittsburgh Titans by two over under 41 and a half. And Deontay Foreman is the one running back that we know is going to be involved, at least solidly involved. He only had 13 of 27 running back carries last week in their 20 to nothing win. However, late passing game usage third in that category behind um, Dontrell Hilliard and Jeremy McNichols. Yeah. Now the note here is that, the, the um, Titans were up, at, I think it was 20 nothing going into the fourth quarter. And Jeremy McNichols got all seven running back touches in the fourth quarter. Through the first three quarters, it was 15 for Dante Foreman, 11, or sorry, eight for Dontre Hilliard, and two for Jeremy McNichols. So, you know, when the game was still, at least in some question, it was more of a two, two-man committee with Foreman and Hilliard. So I, I um. I feel pretty good about the volume that Foreman's going to get, at least as, you know, an RB3, maybe a lower-end RB2. And I like the matchup here, too. I mean, if you watch that Steelers-Vikings game on Thursday night, I mean, that was a pathetic performance by that Steelers run defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see if it motivates something different this time around, but I don't think that they're capable of a whole lot better. Otherwise, they probably would have been motivated to change it during that game. So I, I don't love the volume outlook, but definitely in the range that you're talking about, I think Foreman is a pretty solid option. And again, the the one guy that we know what the role is, we know he's going to be involved regardless of how game flow goes. Actually, I, I shouldn't say regardless of game flow, because if they do fall behind, yeah. then he's not going to be super involved as a receiver. I, I don't see that happening in this particular matchup, though. Yeah, I agree. Um, Julio Jones, kind of similar to Deontay Foreman. Um, He's the lead guy, not a great spot. So I'm not sure how much is coming to him. Not a special option, but fine down in low wide receiver three range. Yeah, I mean, I I think we should be done expecting like vintage Julio to come back at any point this season and for him to have, you know, like a top 10 wide receiver week. Julio only played 45% of Tennessee's offensive snaps last week. I, I haven't gone back and watched it. I would assume he was pulled for most, if not all, the fourth quarter as well. Um, he ran around on 59% of the pass plays. You know, saw six targets. That was a 19% target share. Again, I, 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 he's the lead receiver here. I just don't think you're going to see, you know, dominant Julio Jones come back at any point this season. What was his practice participation yesterday? Good question. I, I believe he was full. He might not even be on the injury report anymore. Let wow. me pull it up quick. That'd be he something. Is off, yeah, he, he is off the injury report. That's something for Julio on a Wednesday. So, I mean, maybe that elevates things this week. It's certainly a positive matchup. Again, I'm not going to get excited about Julio Jones, but there is at least upside from the from low wide receiver three territory. Yeah, I, I agree. On the Pittsburgh side of this one, you know, you're starting everyone within consideration. Ben Roethlisberger might wind up being a little low at 18th in our QB rankings. The problem for me, at least, is it's pretty nebulous from – Jimmy Garoppolo at 13, maybe Tua in that range as well, down to Roethlisberger at 18. I mean, I could see those guys finishing in any order. 
Yeah, he's just tough for me to trust because he he's played so poorly for most of the season. He he has looked better lately, especially the last two weeks to me. Um, PFF has him 15th in passing grades over the past four games. Um, and, and Ben has averaged 270 passing yards and 2.3 passing touchdowns over the last four games. Now he's finished quarterback eight, quarterback 21, quarterback 15 and quarterback six over that span. And, and as you, you know, the, the matchup is, is pretty good here against Tennessee 25th and adjusted points allowed to quarterback. So he, he could definitely finish higher than he's ranked. Uh, by us right now, I, again, I just it's tough for me to to trust him because I I just think he's you know kind of kind of washed up still. Mm-hmm. Before we get out, actually, we'll we'll talk about the pass catchers first. I mean, any particular notes on mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool for this one? Claypool has been benched in two straight games now for you know parts of the game just for for being an idiot. Uh, you know, if you if you watched uh, the Thursday night game, he you know he he had the unnecessary roughness penalty in the first quarter and he got benched for a bit after that he had the gaff at the end of the game when he was you know too busy celebrating a first down with like 30 seconds left in, in the clock running so that that's kind of the risk with Claypool is he does something stupid again and is benched um, but he has a plus targets in three of his last four games now and the Titans rank 31st in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers so I'd, I'd lean towards using Claypool even though he's he's a bit risky He's probably at least a little less likely to do something stupid this week <laughs> after all the blowback from the Thursday night game, though. So we'll think. we'll, we'll yeah. see where that goes. He at least, you know, came out with the mea culpa after that one. So, you know, he's at Kinda. least aware of it. Kind of. He said he said, like, I'm sorry, but also, you know, the lineman shouldn't have come and knocked the ball out of my hand because that <laughs> costs us more time, which is totally fair. Yeah, so. but. Brant Wilson on Facebook wants to know J Rob, James Robinson, of course, Chase Claypool or AJ Green in a flex. And I mean, it's, it's full PPR. I think I'd have to lean Chase Claypool among those. Yeah, I'd go Claypool. We'll talk about Robinson. Um, there's some reasons for optimism, but I still don't fully trust him. I would, I would go Claypool. Right. It's a trust issue. And I think there's reason to believe in Chase Claypool's target count over AJ Green's. Yes. And then before we get away from the Steelers, Pat Fryermuth has scored in three of his past four games, but, and actually he probably should have added another touchdown at the end of that Minnesota game and tied it up there at the end. But uh, he's also had three straight weeks of four targets or fewer and five straight of 40 yards or less. So he's completely touchdown dependent. Yeah. Fryermuth seems like the guy who's who like Chase Claypool has been taking targets from, you know, now that Claypool is healthy. Um, Fryermuth is 21st among tight ends and expected fantasy points over the past four games. So he, he's kind of turned into a touchdown reliant fantasy play. It, you know, Ben does look to him in the red zone. Um, so he is a decent touchdown bet and a pretty good matchup here. A good matchup for the Steelers offense. The Titans have been pretty good against tight end. So it's not a great matchup for Fryermuth individually, but you know, he's a fine touchdown bet. Um, but um, again, the, like you said, the volume has been disappointing lately. He's a rich man's Hunter Henry. Agreed. Before we leave this game, um, Jay on YouTube wants to know Devontae Foreman or Deontay, or I'm sorry, Devontae Freeman or Deontay Foreman. And I don't care if he says Dante, by the way. I know that there's an apostrophe there hiding something. So I'm going to acknowledge that apostrophe. <laughs> I'd go Devontae Freeman here. Um, his passing game usage has been surprisingly strong, um, which you know makes makes me like him a bit more of a Foreman. He's you know, just kind of a, a, a two down guy. Yes, I like Devontae Freeman here as well for the target upside, regardless of format. I mean, obviously, a PPR, that gives him an edge. But even in non-PPR, mm-hmm. uh, he's just a better bet for touches, I think. Yep. Houston at Jacksonville. The Jaguars by four <laughs> points over under 39 and a half. It's down from 43 at the open on the Houston side. Real quick, Brandon Cooks spent more time in the slot last week than he had in any other game this season. Uh, Mike Clay pointed that out on Twitter after the game. 
that got him away from stronger coverage on the outside of the Seattle defense and into a weaker spot. So, I mean, I wonder whether they do something similar against Jacksonville. Jacksonville has Shaq Griffin outside would probably have him shadow Brandon cooks in this game. They have Rudy Ford inside and have been shuffling to fill that slot corner role. I think regardless of exactly what the Brandon cooks plan ends up being for this specific game, it's encouraging to see Houston do that because it means they realize they have Brandon cooks and nothing else. So they're trying to get him free. Yeah. Good to see that. I, I think, um, I think Tim Kelly's a, a good offensive coordinator. You know what he's been able to get out of this Texans office. I know it hasn't been good all season, but they, they've had some bright spots. Um, Davis Mills has three, 300 yard passing games this season. Um, but yeah, it's still just Brandon cooks here. He had, uh, five catches for 132 yards against Jacksonville back in week one. That came with Tyrod Taylor. Um, but Cooks is averaging 8.6 targets and 6.4 catches per game with Davis Mills this season. Mm-hmm. How come we're not getting any Davis Mills, Mac Jones type hype with all those passing yards? He, I mean, he looks better than Zach Wilson and he might look better than Trevor Lawrence so far, which is, you know, and it's not like Davis Mills situation is really better than those two guys. That's for sure. On the Jacksonville side, of course, the Urban Meyer experiment is finally over. So now we see exactly what that means football wise. And, uh, you know, the primary answer was we, we have no idea. Obviously, he's an offensive coach, so there's some hand in it. But I don't think we can assume that everything's going to change. So I, I like James Robinson this week. He's more interesting than he would be if Urban Meyer were still there. He did mm-hmm. play his largest snap share last week since week six, carried no injury status into the game. So he's still seeing some limited practice time, but yeah. it doesn't seem like the foot issue is too big. The Texans, of course, last week allowed a big game to Rashad Penny. And now we have Carlos Hyde in the concussion protocol. So it's all set up for James Robinson, but we still haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, I mean, I'm still... Worried about the injuries. I, I, I still think that's been part of the problem. So that's the concern. Um, I mean, I, I hate getting into the narrative stuff, but it, it sounds like everyone in that Jags locker room is happy. Urban Meyer is gone. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, play one of their better games of the season this week. They're at home. They're, they're facing a bad Texans defense. So it's kind of all there for them. Daryl Bevel's taking over as interim head coach. You know, he has lots of experience as an offensive coordinator. I think he's, you know, a, a pretty good play caller. So we'll see exactly what that means. I, I think, you know, Robinson's a guy I'll be interested in, in DFS. And you know, I think he's in play in season long. You, you, you know, the risk, you, you know, if you've been playing him the past month now, you, you know, the risk, but um, I would not be surprised if he has you know his, his best game in a while on Sunday. So you're not worried about a coaching staff. That's worse than what urban Meyer had at Bowling green, Jared. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely worth noting that Daryl Bevel takes over this thing. He, you know, whatever you think about his play calling in the NFL, he's been doing it for a long time across multiple teams. He has taken over for fired coaches in the past. Everybody in Jacksonville is probably happy that Urban Meyer's gone. And he has to realize that James Robinson is, you know, one of the better options that he has on offense. I, I would love to see some upside in the passing game and maybe we see it liven up this week, but it has looked terrible lately. So I'm certainly not yeah. betting on anything in that area. And I'm going to hope that we actually get James Robinson touches this week and he delivers for our team. But as Jared said, you got to go in knowing that it's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. We get another disappointing performance from him. Yeah. We'll see about the rest of the practice week for him. You know, maybe we can feel a bit better about the injuries if he gets in a full workout at any point. Um, and yeah, I'm not messing with the passing game. Maybe we'll talk about it some in DFS tomorrow. Um, Trevor Lawrence actually did have one of his best games of the season against Houston 
back in week one. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't be messing with any of these guys. You know, you know, not even the wide receivers in season long. Robinson did close out last week with a full Friday practice. So I'll be curious to see what That's his right, Thursday yeah. participation is because I think each of the past two weeks he sat out Thursday. Um, but so, you know, we'll see about specifics there. Yeah. And the, the report was that sitting out Thursday was part of his plan the rest of the mm-hmm. season. So I, if he doesn't practice today, I wouldn't, you know, get, get worried. On to Carolina at Buffalo, the bills by 10 and a half points over under 44 and a half. I am playing nothing in a Panthers helmet other than DJ Moore. And even DJ yeah. Moore has a hamstring injury that we have to monitor. Yeah. Matt rule said he expects more to play through the hamstring and obviously adds risk. Um, you know, the, the matchup, the matchup for Moore is, is, is fine individually without Trey white for the bills, but I, I don't see the Panthers offense getting a whole lot done in Buffalo. So definitely you're just kind of a floor play with DJ Moore. You're probably going to get decent volume, but um, you know, don't, don't expect a big game from him. Yeah. I like him better than Michael Pittman, but I think they're similar guys and that they both have negative matchups that probably lead the team in targets. And I'm not expecting a big game from them. And it doesn't help that Matt rule says he's going to keep doing the stupid two quarterback yeah. thing, which I could understand if PJ Walker was Trey Lance, but he's not, he's a guy who's been around for years. He's not going to be a starting NFL quarterback at any point. There is nothing in particular that he does better than Cam Newton. I don't, maybe he calls the plays in the huddle better. I have no idea, but physically <laughs> There's nothing that he adds that Cam Newton doesn't have when he's on the field. So it's just a stupid coaching move. Yeah. And you know, of course you can't, you can't trust Cam Newton when, you know, there's a chance or even a likelihood that he's going to get pulled for parts of this game. So annoying. Uh, elsewhere. I mean, Chuba Hubbard seems like he works for you last week. Cause he scored a touchdown. He only had 10 carries in that game though, tied Cam Newton for the team lead. And of course that was Cam Newton who lost some playing time to PJ Walker and Hubbard's touchdown came from 17 yards out. So it's not even like, oh, look, he's the goal line back. Amir Abdullah's role is growing, especially on the receiving side. So Hubbard's getting basically nothing there at this point. Really not a whole lot to like about him. No, yeah, the, the Panthers backfield, I think, went exactly how we kind of expected it to go. And, you know, Hubbard playing on early downs, but Abdullah doing the, the passing down stuff. And, you know, Abdullah easily outsnapped Chuba Hubbard last week, ran more pass routes, you know, saw the four targets to, to Hubbard zero. Uh, Carolina did trail for the final two and a half quarters of that game, which, you know, I think is why Abdullah is on the field, but Carolina is going to be trailing in this game too. So um, yeah, avoid both these guys. Abdullah might even be the, the better bet in this backfield if you do have to play one of them. Yeah. Especially because we're expecting them to not be particularly close to Buffalo. You know, we'll see if Josh Allen decides to keep the Panthers in this one, but certainly not betting on it versus a 10 and a half point line heading in on the Bills side. It's a negative passing matchup overall. um, But two of Carolina's three worst performances by past defense DVOA have come among their past three games, one against Atlanta, one against Washington in week 11. So I'm not downgrading any bills passing piece for this matchup. Yeah, I mean, the big question here is Josh Allen with the, the foot sprain. Um, it seems like he's trending towards playing. He actually, it, it, I think he suffered that injury like in the early third quarter last week in Tampa. And he, of course, had a massive second half in overtime. Um, that even included 66 rushing yards, you know, over the, throughout the second half in overtime. Um, so I'm not super worried about the foot. You know, you, you also factor in, you know, a tough, I do still think Carolina is a, you know, a, a solid defense. So it's not a great spot for Allen. You know, he's, he's lower than usual in our rankings this week, but you know, in season long, if he's been your guy all season, I would plan on sticking with him. Yeah. Somebody I would fade in DFS, but I I would feel fine about and redraft. And uh, Jared Smola actually reported this week that um, Josh Allen was, was taking in Hamilton and not in a walking boot. 
Yeah, he he better he better play or else I'm gonna lose all credibility as a you know NFL insider. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I think the most interesting piece here is Gabriel Davis, who seems like he's going to be filling in for Emmanuel Sanders. And I, I think even if you're not going to start Davis this week, and I don't think he's a special option for this matchup that we talked about, <laughs> he's worth a stash if you have you know a bench spot to play with. Um, one of our subscribers asked about Traquan Smith, for example, versus Gabe Davis. And yeah, I'd say drop Traquan Smith for Gabe yeah. Davis, who might end up doing nothing for you. But if Emmanuel Sanders misses the next few weeks, you know, beyond this matchup with Carolina and then a trip to new England, which is also negative for passing. We got a home date with Atlanta in week 17. That could be like a blow up spot for the passing game in, you know, fantasy championship rounds. Yeah. Davis is going to basically be an every down player in this offense for as long as Sanders is out. And we know it's a good passing game. It's a high volume passing game. Davis caught five of eight targets for 43 yards and a score last week. We got eight games last year. When with Davis, you know, playing over two thirds of, of Buffalo's offensive snaps, he averaged 5.3 targets, three catches, 46 yards, 0.4 touchdowns in those games. You know, he's not going to see huge volume because it's, you know, still Steph Diggs and even Cole Beasley probably ahead of Davis in the packing order. Um, but he's going to see enough and he's a big play guy and he's a guy Allen looks to in the red zone um, or, you know, he's, he's I think he's going to have some some spike weeks uh, for as long as Sanders is out. And we're ignoring the Buffalo backfield, right? Yeah, we are. Um I mean, Singletary has been the lead guy, but um, not, not not a guy you want to be using in fantasy. And it's not a great matchup for Dawson Knox, but he's still inside the top 10 because Josh Allen doesn't care what the matchup is. Yeah, Knox is fifth in expected fantasy points among the last four games. Now. I mean, he's, he's getting awesome usage. Last time he had a bad matchup in a game where they could actually throw the ball was against New Orleans. He only got three targets and he scored on two of them. I remember I faded him in uh, Thanksgiving DFS and he, he crushed me. <laughs> Atlanta at San Francisco 49ers by nine over under 46 Mm -hmm. points. It's cool that the Falcons Mm -hmm. offense performed better against Carolina. I'm still not Mm -hmm. getting up for anyone here besides Cordero Patterson. Um, Russell Gage is solid. Uh, He's Amon Ra St. Brown, but like with a slightly deeper a dot, I think. Yeah. 8.3 targets per game over the past four for Russell Gage. He's 25th among wideouts and expected fantasy points. Over that span, kind of a kind of a neutral matchup here. So he's he, he's a low upside wide receiver three. Mike Davis, by the way, has led Cordero Patterson in receiving work for three straight games since Patterson's return from the ankle sprain. It's not enough to make Mike Davis, I don't know, a noteworthy play. I guess he he currently is what we think that Naheem Hines should be, and that if you're really looking down the list, you can play Mike Davis and get four catches out of him. Really, it's more so just annoying for Patterson's upside. Kind of. I mean, it's, it's just weird. You know, Pat, Patterson has gone from wide receiver to like slash player. Now he's like early down running back between the tackles guy. Before his injury, he was averaging 9.1 carries and 5.9 targets per game. In the three games back from injury, 15 carries per game, just 4.3 targets per game. He's actually averaging more expected fantasy points, though, since he returned from injury. So, you know, the increasing carries has you know more than offset the loss in target so you know he's he's still a guy we're starting he's like benjamin button antonio gibson now we're gonna watch yes. antonio gibson turn into <laughs> a late career kick returner <laughs> yeah I, nothing else for me on the atlanta side you got anything else there now you want to you want to talk down on kyle pitts anymore or? i mean it's he's not <laughs> exciting at all at this yeah. point but it's like you if you're looking for an exciting tight end then you needed to draft him back in august because he's not available he has exactly five, six, or seven targets in seven straight games. So, you know, you know, you know what you're getting from Pitts. Yeah. And he's basically been Cole Komet productive with him. Yep. 
On the Niners side, it's easy to like George Kittle, obviously. It's pretty easy to like Brandon Ayuk right now as well. Um, Debo Samuel, meanwhile, has turned into their Cordero Patterson, it seems like, Jared. He has, right? Um, just, just an insane season from Debo. I mean, he's kept his fantasy value afloat with insane rushing efficiency over the past four games. I, I still I still think he's going to start doing more in the passing game. He only saw the one target last week, but he ran 40 pass routes. It was an 82% route rate for Debo Samuel. I mean, even if you look at his snaps, he only played nine snaps in the backfield. He played 46 snaps in the slot or out wide. So he, he's, he's still getting wide receiver usage with some carries. It's not like he's, you know, just playing running back. Um, so I don't, know, I, I, I don't think anyone's thinking of benching Debo anyways, but, you know, in case you were and you were worried about the low target volume, I, I think that's going to come up going forward here. I certainly have to be ready for him to keep, I don't know, being used the way that he's been used the past few weeks, though, and, and know that a disappointing game is possible because over the past three weeks, he's been touchdown dependent and it's on the ground. So it's weird. You'd like to assume that he's going to get more targets because as you mentioned, the routes are still there. It's not like he has turned into a running back, but you know, it, it's strange usage on yeah. the other side. Ayuk has become somebody that we can depend on staying on the field for all the routes, seeing plenty of targets. I think he's very comfortably in the wide receiver two mix at this point. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Um, top 27 wide receiver in three of his last four games. Now Elijah Mitchell still not practicing Wednesday. So we're going to see, what the backfield looks like. You know, I remain not that interested in any running back for San Francisco. That's not Elijah Mitchell in this game. I think if we still get no Mitchell playing, it adds upside to Jimmy Garoppolo. Who's been pretty good for a while. He has Garoppolo's finished. He's been a top 16 fantasy quarterback in six of his last seven games. He's been top 12 in four of his last seven games. And that's then the volume still hasn't been big. He's averaging just 29 and a half pass attempts per game over that span. Atlanta ranks 29th in football outsiders past D DVOA, they're dead last in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. And again, I, I think Garoppolo, um, to, me, to me, Garoppolo and Fields now are kind of the two best spot start options this week with, you know, Tua um, you kind of, you know, falling down my rankings without Waddle. Yeah, and we've got somebody asking on Facebook right now about Tua versus Justin Fields. I think that those three are all in the same range. I think that Tua and Garoppolo are the floor plays among the trio. I think Justin Fields probably wins on ceiling. So, you know, you de- you yeah. decide what you're chasing most there. I think Garoppolo would be my top play just because he's been so solid for a while. You know, I talked about good recent three games for Tua, mm-hmm. but Garoppolo's got, he's accounted for two touchdowns in six of his past seven games. He's gone over 290 yards passing in three of those games. That includes games where he only attempted 30 and 28 passing attempts. So he he can do it efficiency wise, even on lower pass attempt totals. And I think there, it, this week's a good spot for him to do more of that. Yeah. The Falcons are now the most favorable matchup for quarterback scoring by our adjusted fantasy points. I think probably allowing a touchdown pass to PJ Walker last week, pushed them over the <laughs> edge on that one. <laughs> and I would probably do it. Um, yeah. I mean, we have Garoppolo ranked just ahead of fields in our quarterback rankings right now. So I would lean in that direction. Although, I mean, we'll, we'll get to fields, but he is, he's been good in fantasy now in his last three games. Um, and it's largely been due to rushing, which I do think we can continue to count on. It's just, I guess it's just, a small sample thing with fields for me. I just feel a bit safer about Garoppolo. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's my thing. And if you say I prefer fields for the the ceiling, then absolutely. I can understand going that way. Yep. 
Cincinnati at Denver Broncos by two and a half opened at Bengals by three over under 44 for this one. Bengals side, Jamar Chase is still Jamar Chase. We finally got the big game from him last week. He is just as capable of going the other direction this week and not finding the end zone. But for what it's worth, he just missed adding a third touchdown last week, laying out for a deep ball. Sure did. I thought it was going to be another disappointing chase game and I'd have to go back to him this week, but he, he came through. T. Higgins, though, st- to me, still the, the better wide receiver play here. He's been out targeting Jamar Chase for a while now. He's higher in expected fantasy points. So they're, they're both starters, but um, I, I still prefer T. Higgins over Chase right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I think one sneakier option, and, you know, we could talk about Joe Burrow or Joe Mixon, but I think one sneakier player to keep in mind, and not so much for this week, but it's C.J. Uzama, six targets in two straight games. He's seen 16% target share over those two games, played 87% of the snaps in those two games, which is two, his two largest snap shares of the season. So the matchup this week against Denver has been negative for tight end scoring. Beyond that, though, positive matchups with Baltimore, which he's already you know, exploited once the season and then Kansas city, which is a solid spot for tight ends, especially when you have the wide receivers that they have to worry about. I think Uzama could be a sneakier tight end option for week 16, week 17. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, he's been a tough guy to figure out all season The the playing time has been there. Um, you know, the route rates have been high. I think it's, it's tough to earn targets when you're, you know, battling with Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Um, so yeah, not, not this week, but I do agree. At least that week 16 matchup against Baltimore Uzoma could be worth considering. And the good thing is that basically anybody who doesn't have a top four tight end right now is streaming. So it's usually you're like, well, you know, if you want a guy that'll get four targets and is touchdown reliant, then he'll help you. That's everybody below Rob Gronkowski. (laughs) Exactly. On the Broncos. Actually, do you want to talk about either of the Joes before we move on? No. Um, and, you know, Burrow, I don't know what to do with Burrow this week. I mean, the Bengals implied total is so low and Denver's third in adjusted fantasy points allowed. It's quarterbacks. I don't, you know, just looking at their personnel, it's like they shouldn't be that strong, but they, they've just been a good defense all season. So, um, you know, Burrow, Burrow's a guy I'd, I'd sit for Garoppolo and Justin Fields this week. Uh, by the way, breaking news, I just saw TJ Hawkinson is not only going to be out this week, but he's going to miss the rest of the regular season. Well, regular season. He's going to miss the rest of the season <laughs> because yeah. he had thumb surgery this morning. So no more yeah. decision to make there. And I guess we'll go for, you know, backup Detroit tight end or just 27 targets for Amon Ross St. Brown this week. And not, not good for my best ball teams. <laughs> yeah, certainly not helping mine either. But he wasn't helping us that much in the preceding weeks anyway. So. On the Broncos side of this one, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams reminded us last week that they're both capable of producing together in a lineup. Unfortunately, they're not going to play Detroit every week. So, you know, we won't expect that much, but playing time basically identical between them. And it was Melvin Gordon with the rushing edge, Javante Williams with the passing game edge. So that I think makes Williams basically the better weekly play going forward is that as long as that sticks, because even when, even in matchups where, they're, you know, the favorite heading in, there's always the chance that they fall behind. So we know that Williams is going to stay involved no matter what. Yeah. The passing game usage helps me. I just think Javante Williams is the better running back too, which, which makes him the preferred play. I, I did. I do think Melvin Gordon, though, I mean, he, he's a locked in RB two to me. He is Gordon's 14th in expected fantasy points per game among running backs over the last five, you know, that's his last five games omitting uh week 13, when he sat out. Um, so he, he's getting the usage um, Cincinnati 23rd and adjusted points allowed to running back. So not as good a matchup as last week, um, you know, still, still a positive matchup for both of these Broncos RBs. 
I've had an owner in our FFPC Dynasty League trying to bug me to take Melvin Gordon in trade for weeks this season. And I've I've said no. Maybe I've made a mistake. But he keeps trying to get a second round pick and Kenneth Gainwell from me. It's just eh, a little too much for me for just a few weeks of Melvin Gordon. What do you think? Exactly. I mean, he, he's a fine short-term buy, but um, you know, he, I think he's a declining dynasty asset. Yeah, and even though Kenneth Gainwell has been a pain in the butt this year, I still like him long-term. Sure. All right. Anything worth talking about in the Denver passing game? Noah Fant and Albert Okwebunum are basically splitting tight end work, so you really can't trust either. I mean, you're not trusting Albert O, obviously. I think Fant is um, someone try not to use. I wish that they would not re-sign any of these receivers because they clearly just have too many people to catch passes <laughs> yeah. in Denver. Just like, I don't, if this were a fantasy league, we'd be like, just trade Cortland Sutton for some help elsewhere, guys. Well, they're literally all re-signed, right? They, they re-signed Sutton and Tim Patrick over the last like month. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm still hoping we get Aaron Rodgers here next year. And I, you know, he'd, he'd unlock all these guys. Either that or it's a sign that Aaron Rodgers is finally done physically because that's what happens when guys go to Denver. I guess, you know, Peyton Manning did it for a little bit, but it's been a while since that. Yep. Green Bay at Baltimore Packers by five and a half up from three and a half at the open 43 and a half is the over under, which is down a couple points. The Baltimore run D has gotten tough again, strong DVOA ratings in each meeting with Cleveland over the past three weeks. That's worth noting because Green Bay has a busy backfield where both guys have become options. And Aaron Jones really has become kind of like fancy Amir Abdullah to A.J. Dillon's Chuba here. Yeah, the, the one interesting note I saw on this backfield this week, I think it was from Nathan Yankee over at PFF. But um, in the first half of that game against the Bears last week, Aaron Jones had 23 snaps, just eight for A.J. Dillon. Um, now, the game, the game was kind of close. I don't want to say Dillon was you know in there in garbage time, but it seemed like he was – more in there as, you know, the, the close out the game back. So uh, I, I still prefer Jones, especially in this matchup. So as you said, Baltimore is super tough against the run, not tough at all against the pass, especially with all their secondary injuries. You know, I, I, but Baltimore right now to me is like one of the best passing matchups in the NFL um, because of the weakness of their pasty and the strength of their run. D. So I think Green Bay goes pretty pass heavy here. And I do still think Aaron Jones is the, you know, the better back in the passing game. Yes, I agree with that. And, you know, maybe they're more Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon than they are Amir Abdullah and Chuba <laughs> Hubbard, to be fair. So Jones is first, I think, in general, and especially for this matchup, definitely not as comfy a start as he was back before the knee injury. And like you said, it's a great spot for Aaron Rodgers and the wideouts the, against mm -hmm. the battered Baltimore secondary, 26th in pass defense DVOA. I think Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Alan Lazard are in play in that range of like A.J. Green, Cole Beasley. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, I think they're both options this week. Again, I like the spot for the Packers passing game. MVS still like the number two receiver in terms of playing time. He ran around 88% of the pass plays last week. It was 73% for Alan Lazard, but Lazard out-targeted MVS 7-5. to five. Um, Lazard, you know, Lazard's a good player too, and Rodgers trusts him. And, you know, with, with no Randall Cobb for the foreseeable future, and I think um, Lazard and MVS are both going to you know, be close to full-time players. Baltimore side we're going to see about Lamar Jackson but when they sign yeah. Josh Johnson away from the Jets it doesn't seem promising right yeah and uh their offensive coordinator Greg Roman kind of suggested that Lamar is probably going to be a game time decision for this one um and it's a late start too, 425 kickoff so it's going to be a tough spot for fantasy owners if we don't get you know a Sunday update I, I, I if you're hoping to start Lamar I think rostering Tyler Huntley is not the worst idea like he 
I'm not going to say he's you know a good quarterback, but he's capable and he can run. Like I, I think he he's going to give you 50 or so rushing yards. Um, so you know, I, I think you you could do worse if you're hoping to wait on Lamar. You know, Huntley's that late game guy you could sub in if you need to. Yeah, if you could certainly do worse. I think that if you have Lamar Jackson as your starter and uh, Tua or Jimmy Garoppolo are available, then they shouldn't be. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Jimmy G's a late game. Um, Justin Fields is a late game, right? Um, so I yeah, think you know, those are those are two guys I would definitely prefer over Huntley. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would feel good about going ahead and playing um, Tua or Jimmy G, I think, even if Lamar Jackson right. ends up active for that game. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the Packers defense has been good for a while now, and I think you have to assume Lamar is not going to be his usual you know, self as, as a runner if he does play in this game. And his usual self hasn't been all that great to begin with in recent sure. weeks. So yep. um, we talked about Devontae Freeman, a, a good spot for him, regardless of who the quarterback is clearly leading the backfield at this point, getting a lot of targets. He got a bunch yeah. of targets from Tyler Huntley in that Chicago game that Lamar Jackson missed a few weeks ago. So good spot for Devontae Freeman. I can't, I, I can't imagine me in summer looking ahead to me <laughs> now and thinking how comfy yeah. a start Devontae Freeman looks. How come no Ravens running back could draw targets until Devontae Freeman arrived? <laughs> he's he's averaging five targets per game over the last four now, um, along with some some decent volume on the ground. He's 18th among running backs in expected fantasy points over the, the last four games. So he's a pretty solid RB, too. What a time to be alive. Anything else from the Baltimore side? I mean, I guess, are you are you trusting Rashad Bateman after last week? So I'm, I'm still trying to figure out if Sammy Watkins got hurt in that game last week. He is on the injury report this week, but he's on the injury report like every week. Um, so I'm not sure if that's why Bateman's playing time was back up. He was up to a 75% route rate last week. If we could trust that to be the case again this week, I think he's a fine wide receiver three, but there, you know, there's some risk that he goes back to, you know, being what the fourth or fifth wide receiver as he was uh, two weeks ago. I dropped him for, you know, like a reserve heading into the championship round of the FFPC main event. So I'm just glad that you can't then nobody else could go then in and pick up yeah. the player that I dropped because I would hate to see Bateman helping somebody else. I, I'm glad I, I'm not mad to not have him in the mix for me. I just don't I don't want to see those points elsewhere. I finally dropped Rondell Moore from one of my FFPC teams last week. So I'm I'm praying that, you know, he doesn't he doesn't become a thing here down the stretch with Hopkins out. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about that. <laughs> All right, so now we're all done with this game, right? Yes. Seattle at the LA Rams. Rams by four and a half. That's down two and a half from where it opened and over under 45 and a half. Russell Wilson, as you said, he's been fine over the past three weeks. Two touchdowns apiece against Washington, San Francisco, and Houston. He's averaging just 1.4 touchdowns per game career against the Rams, though. Last year, yeah. he faced them three times. 248, no touchdowns, two INTs. 225, one touchdown, zero INTs. And then in the playoffs, 174 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. It certainly helps that Jalen Ramsey, as we speak, and Jordan Fuller are on the COVID list. We'll see mm-hmm. if those guys are back, but certainly not time for me to get excited about Russell Wilson. Yeah, that, that's the concern for me that he has struggled against this defense. But if, if Jalen Ramsey out, is out, you know, that, that'd be a matchup upgrade for Russ, obviously. Um, yeah, Wilson's eighth among quarterbacks in PFF passing grade over the past three weeks. He's finished in, in fantasy quarterback nine, quarterback 14, quarterback 15. So you know, he hasn't he hasn't been awesome, but he hasn't been killing you either. Um, you know, this is a spot where his passing volume should be up with, uh, you know, Seattle four and a half point underdogs. He'll be indoors don't have to worry about weather here so i, I you know I, again I, I prefer garoppolo and fields over wilson this week but you know, he's kind of the next guy on the list for me 
worth keeping in mind that the Rams managed to basically shut mm-hmm. down Kyler Murray on Monday night yeah. with no Jalen Ramsey in the lineup for that one. So I, I, to me, it's Tua and Russ are very similar this week and the matchup drastically favors Tua between them. So if that's, that's my lean in that direction. That's fair. I still think Russ is a better quarterback and he has DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but does he have DK Metcalf? I can't say that I feel <laughs> great does. about playing DK Metcalf right now, but Past two meetings with the Rams for him, yeah. five for 98 and two touchdowns in week five. That was, of course, the game where we all learned what mallet finger is. Five for 96 and two in the playoffs last year in that loss to the Rams. Jalen Ramsey still out, as we mentioned, but he was in for both of those games. I think both of Metcalf's touchdowns earlier this season against the Rams came from, from Geno Smith, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, DK Metcalf is my new Jamar Chase where I'm just going to keep playing him until he has a big game now. Um, last week he had a 23 yard touchdown called back by a holding penalty. Russell Wilson missed him. He was wide open on a slant for what would have been a seven yard touchdown. He drew a pass interference in the end zone. He drew another PI for a 16 yard penalty. He's close to having a big game. So I would keep rolling Metcalf out in season long and and keep, I'm going to keep playing him in DFS. (laughs) He's a little too expensive for me in DFS, but I agree. I would probably wind up landing on him, you know, this is the kind of decision where you get to this week of the season. You're like, I have to win. Amon Ross St. Brown has been excellent the past two weeks in PPR. I'm just going to go ahead and use him over DK Metcalf. And then you watch Metcalf have a big game. So I th- in those cases, yeah. I would definitely not be leaning toward the dude whose target counts were nice for Detroit over the past two weeks. If I lose with a player that I drafted in the second round, who has been getting usage and whose quarterback has been fine lately, then I'm yeah. more okay losing that way than if, if I lose with that guy on my bench. Yeah. If you, if you see St. Brown over Metcalf in one of my fantasy lineups, I've, I've been kidnapped. It's <laughs> a clear signal. Tyler Lockett on the other hand is a must at this point. Yeah. Ger- Gerald Everett for me closer to a must not, although it's a positive matchup for him. The Rams have been 11th friendliest to tight end scoring by adjusted fantasy points allowed. He missed the first meeting, so we didn't really get a chance to see what they would do with Gerald Everett in this one. I would rather take a shot on the target upside for Ricky Seals-Jones, though, than play Gerald Everett. Yeah, the the Rams also ranked fourth in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings. I I hate when that doesn't align with their fantasy points allowed to the position, so kind of of tough to know about the matchup here. The the thing with Everett is, you know, we know we had the disastrous week 13 almost single-handedly cost um seattle that game and then his playing time was down last week he was down to 65 percent of the pass routes will disley was up to 41 percent disley actually out targeted gerald everett three or two you know Everett just saved his fantasy day with a late touchdown so that that's why i would not trust him this week i want to see him back in a full-time role before i, I use him in fantasy cool i'll go move rsj ahead of him in our rankings after we're done with us <laughs> i didn't say i like rsj better because i don't like rsj much either but i mean <laughs> at least he's moving in the guys. right direction on the Rams side of this, well, actually, should we talk no, about? We shouldn't go to the Rams side yet. Seattle, because Rashad Penny's a thing again. I, I, yeah. I kind of mentally move past that because <laughs> I'm not ready to trust Rashad Penny. One awesome week against Houston does not erase the PTSD that I have <laughs> being a Rashad Penny fan since he was a prospect. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there to be careful with him this week. And you know, he, he's still an RB three range in our rankings, like he's an option. But you know, don't I would, I would not consider him a must start. Um, you know, it was, it was Houston that he just did that against. It was one game now, now, you know, now his Seahawks are four and a half point underdogs in LA. 
Um, I mean, and even last week, Penny, just 57% of the snaps, they were still mixing in Alex Collins. It sounds like there's a chance Adrian Peterson is ready to play again this week. So I would not be surprised if Pete Carroll wants to give him another four or five carries. Um, yeah, so just be careful with Penny. I, I think he's an RB three. And if you've been hurting and you just picked him up fine, um, you know, he's not, he's not a really strong fantasy play this week. Yeah. I think probably the most interesting question that I've seen is Rashad Penny versus Zeke Elliott. And I mean, it's kind of a personal preference call at this point. If Penny's probably, I don't know, physically better than Zeke right yeah. now. Zeke's in a better situation overall. And I don't have this decision to make, so I can't say for sure what I would do. I would probably land on Zeke in my own lineup, just figuring that he gets more scoring chances. But I also don't have a strong argument against Penny over Zeke this week. I'd play Zeke there and then, you know, not, not watch the Cowboys game. Yeah, for sure. On the Rams side now, we're going to have to watch that backfield as well. Daryl Henderson's still on the COVID list as of right now, so we'll see if he's back in time for the game. I think if he's not, Sonny Michelle would be an easy start despite a disappointing Monday night against the Cardinals. Um, he's in play, I think, Michelle, even if Henderson returns. And if Henderson does get back during the practice week, we still have to see where his quad's at because we haven't had a chance to see that because of his stint on the COVID list. Yeah, a lot of questions here still, you know, whether Henderson's going to be available and what this backfield looks like if Henderson's back. I honestly have no idea. It's something I you know, hope we get, you know, one of those Sunday morning reports on. I would not I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of stick with Michelle because he's been rolling and you've had Henderson with you know multiple health issues now, but it's definitely a situation to watch. I mean, it's a good spot for for both these guys. Seattle's 31st and adjusted points allowed to running backs. Um so yeah, I mean, again, hopefully we we learn more before kickoff. Mm-hmm. And the passing game, of course, is missing Odell Beckham Jr., who is on the COVID list himself and got on it after Daryl Henderson did. So less of a chance that he makes it back. If he's out, I mean, Van Jefferson becomes an even easier play, a top yeah. 20 wide out this week. Yeah, and I'm I'm not allowed to talk about the Rams tight end, but, you know, it's a good spot for him if uh, OBJ is out and Seattle is dead last in adjusted points allowed to the position. It is top scoring matchup by adjusted fantasy points allowed two targets though. In the first meeting scored among those two targets. So, I mean, we thought he was on the way to a big game and then the Rams were like, Oh, that was close. We almost let Tyler Higby <laughs> have a big game. That said past four, 10, five, five, and six targets. Three of those games were losses. So those certainly helped the target counts, but six targets in the blowout win against the chargers uh, chargers, the Jaguars, which, you know, very much like the chargers, Missed Monday night, of course, for a COVID positive, which turned out to be false just to really piss everybody off in this season that we've all been dealing with. Like I said before, the decision for me is between Higby and Dalton Schultz. And over the past two weeks with those Dallas wide receivers back, Schultz has only seen 10% target share for the Cowboys. Worst of all, last week, he only saw three of them against Washington in the game where they were finally all back and all healthy after Amari Cooper was just off the COVID list for the game before. So I think, you know, better matchup for Higby, better performing quarterback in Matthew Stafford versus Dak Prescott. I got to go Tyler Higby over Dalton Schultz. I I abstain. <laughs> All right. I can't, so I can't one, do it anymore. One nothing in favor of Higby. <laughs> it's rested. Yeah. Anything else from that game? No. New Orleans at Tampa Bay on Sunday night, bucks by 10 and a half, which is always risky betting on sleepy Tom at night over under <laughs> 46 and a half points in this one. In all seriousness, a little bit risky betting on a 10 and a half point line for the Bucs against the Saints because they just haven't been able to beat up the Saints over the past two years, despite being the better team in every matchup. You know, as we saw by them ultimately winning the Super Bowl last year and then being the returning Super Bowl champs this year on the Saints side, though, before we get to that, Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, 
you know, both of those guys obviously well within lineup consideration. Yeah. Nothing else for me is among the Saints. Yep, that's right. Um, I mean, it, it feels like a tough spot for Taysom Hill on the road against, you know, a, a good Bucks defense. But I mean, all Taysom Hill does is, you know, finish as a top 10 fantasy quarterback. He's, you know, he's done it four straight starts now dating back to last season. He hasn't finished worse, worse than quarterback 12. And I, I um, Running quarterbacks have given the Bucks some trouble. Jalen Hurts had 44 yards and two touchdowns against them. Uh, Josh Allen last week just had a big game on the ground. Justin Fields had 38 rushing yards against them. So I mean, Hills Hills probably going to get there. Um, it just you know won't it won't feel comfortable. And I mean, frankly, even if you expect Tampa Bay to dominate this game, that might even be better for Taysom Hill's fantasy upside because then we get garbage time in the second half, which is where he really lit it up against the Cowboys a few yeah. weeks ago. So I, I agree. I think he's going to be key to getting the run game going against a tough Bucks run D. So it doesn't feel good, but you probably should feel better than it does to play Taysom yeah. Hill in fantasy this week. Yep, I agreed. They'll probably have to throw the ball more than 21 times, regardless of game flow. Uh, but Nick Vanette led the team with six targets last week. So that's how enticing this passing game is. Adam Troutman designated to return from IR on Wednesday. So we'll see if he returns for this game. Yeah, I'd make it even less interesting by spreading things around. <laughs> on the Bucks side, I'm not downgrading anybody out of starter range for this matchup, but it's definitely a tougher than usual spot for Leonard Fournette, for Rob Gronkowski. Mm -hmm. I think both of those guys are DFS fades. I would just be scared to bench either one for what I'm yeah. likely using to replace them in a redraft lineup. We only got 43 total yards from Leonard Fournette in the first meeting. So as a Fournette owner in the main event, I'm certainly scared for what this matchup presents. Fournette also did not practice on Wednesday, and he's on the injury report with an ankle. Um, he, he seemed to make it out of the Bills game just fine. I'm, I'm guessing it's just early week grass, but we'll have to keep an eye on that. But, yeah, tough matchup for him. Um, yeah, the Saints first in football outsiders run D, DVOA, DVOA first in adjusted points allowed to running back. So a super tough matchup for Fournette. Uh, Mike Evans also gets the Marshawn Lattimore matchup where he has struggled um, really throughout his career against Lattimore. He, you know, he scored in three – of his last four games against Lattimore and the saints, but he has his last four games. He has two catches, one catch, four catches and one catch. Um, so he's the touchdowns have really saved him. Uh, so Evans, another guy, probably, probably not benching him, but you know, he is in like lower end wide receiver two territory in our rankings this week. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uncomfortable, but there are certainly situations where you might have to consider benching these guys. The reason that you don't just go ahead and forget about them though, is because, None of the four matchups for Tom Brady against the Saints have actually gone well. And yet the last time he played them, he wound up with 375 yards and four yeah. touchdowns. So he can have a rough real life game and still wind up with huge numbers and support everybody with a touchdown. It's not like the Saints past D is dominant either. I mean, Football Outsiders has them 11th in DVOA. They're 16th in adjusted points allowed. To quarterback, so it's it must be just a matchup thing. Um, you know, maybe maybe Brady will have it figured out on Sunday night. Yeah, let's hope so because we could use fantasy points from a bunch of these guys. It's also the the Bucks have done a good job protecting Tom Brady, so we don't really probably have to worry about pressure getting to him too much. So you know, again, tough spot. I'm probably not downgrading the Bucks out of starter range though. Yep. Minnesota at Chicago on Monday night to wrap things up. Vikings by three and a half for this one on the road. Over under a forty four. And Jared, I'm not looking for anything sneaky on the Minnesota side. I mean, Tyler Conklin sits on the fringe of starter territory, but even there, the Bears are the fifth toughest on tight ends by adjusted yeah. fantasy points allowed. Yeah, Conklin did get a slight 
playing time boost with Adam Thielen out last week. And, and at, at this point, I'm assuming Thielen's not going to play on Monday night. You know, he's, he has a high ankle sprain. That's usually multiple weeks, but we'll see. Um, Conklin was up to an 80% route rate last week. He had been between 65 and 75% in most of the games prior to that. He saw just two targets, though. So, and as you said, the Bears have been tough against tight ends. So don't love Conklin. KJ Osborne, I think, is the better spot starter here. Um, you know, he, he only caught three passes last week. You know, the long touchdown kind of bailed him out. But he, he saw nine targets, Osborne did. It was a 29% target share, uh, 89% route rate for Osborne. So, you know, he, he you know, kind of just stepped right into Adam Thielen's role. Um, you know, so I, I do think he is back in play as a wide receiver three as he was last week. Yeah, and the Bears have been a neutral matchup for wide receiver scoring. They've been a positive matchup for QB scoring, so it could be a good spot for Kirk Cousins. The problem with him is he just played probably his worst game of the season against Pittsburgh on Thursday night. And, I mean, it's easy to say, yeah, he lost Adam Thielen, but he just looked bad in that game. There were plays that he left on the field that he easily could have made. I mean, we could have had had a three-touchdown Justin Jefferson game, and we got one, and trust me, my – lineup and my bank, my wallet know the difference between those, but two games against the bears last season, he hasn't faced them yet this year, last year, 292 and two touchdowns, 271 and two touchdowns. So, you know, there are worse bets to make than Kirk cousins this week. I would feel better about him if we didn't have such a dud against Pittsburgh. Yeah. I don't know whether to feel good about that game last week or bad. Cause like, like you said, he, he played horribly. He still came away with it with what 216 yards and two touchdowns. He he really could have had like 350 and four if he had you know not missed Jefferson a few of those times. So like it was there for the taking. If you think he's gonna play better, then you know maybe he'll be okay this week. You know he he's still outside the top 12 quarterbacks for us this week. Um, another guy I would prefer Jimmy Garoppolo over Cousins this week. I would start Justin Fields over Cousins on the on the other side of this game. Yeah, he's in that range, and I think Cousins versus Ben Roethlisberger would be like the kind of characteristic decision, or or Joe Burrow. Yeah. Like all three of those guys could be dead even. I think you flip a coin among them, it's going to be who gets touchdown chances. Yep. Um, on the Bears side, Justin Fields. You talked about him earlier. What are we looking at with Justin Fields? So his last three finishes in healthy games: quarterback three, quarterback nine, and quarterback eight. And you know, it's Ooh. it's it's been largely because of the rushing. He had 103 rushing yards and a score in that first game that was the Packers game I believe um eight carries 45 yards nine carries 74 yards in his in his last three games so um you know if he's going to continue doing that he's he's probably going to finish his quarterback one it's happening baby and he got help from his speedy wideouts last game a couple of long catch and run touchdowns yeah. so yeah I like Justin Fields have always liked the player the matchup is not scary at all we saw the Vikings shut down Pittsburgh for the first half although maybe Pittsburgh shut down Pittsburgh and then the second half yeah. The Steelers came to life. So we know that it's not really scary on the Minnesota side of the ball. Um, so we can start Justin Fields with relative confidence this week. And we've already talked about the range and the guys we're comparing him to. Otherwise, among Bears, David Montgomery looks fine, even though he's playing through multiple injuries. Lots of opportunities mm-hmm. last week against Green Bay. And Allen Robinson remains a myth. He does, sadly. He saw, he saw six targets last week. That was, that was more than Darnell Mooney even. Um, Minnesota's dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. I'm, now, I'm not saying start Allen Robinson, but I do think Darnell Mooney is still in play as a wide receiver three. He disappointed last week, obviously. Um, he's still averaging 6.6 targets in his last uh, five full games with Justin Field. So, you know, the, the volume was definitely better with uh, Andy Dalton in there and, and, and Robinson not in there, but I do still think uh, Mooney's the best bet among, among Bears wide receivers. And again, the matchup is, is really strong this week. 
Yeah, there might have been six targets in Allen Robinson's vicinity. I'm not sure he actually saw them. Did you see the video clip of him walking off the field instead of making a downfield block to help his teammate? It's uh, he'll, he'll, he'll be a tough guy to rank uh, for next season. I, the good thing about him is that he'll be on another team, I'm sure. Exactly. I can't imagine exactly. it, it continuing in Chicago. And then before we roll out, Cole Komet, basically the tight end version of Jacoby Myers at this point. Solid bet for target volume, but he's allergic to the end zone, so it doesn't really matter. Yep, a neutral matchup for him against Minnesota. So, yeah, outside our top 12, but a decent volume bet. Mm -hmm. That's going to do it for this week 15 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com. Now you can see our full week 15 rankings to help finalize your lineup decisions. Check the tools, check the intel, check the teams and boards. we got lots of different areas of the website to help you make even the most difficult lineup decisions. If you still can't get over the one last burning question to set your week 15 lineup, Come over to the free DraftSharks Discord. There's a link to join that in the description for this podcast. For Jared Small and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schaff saying thanks so much for swimming with us.